too. Well, I think one of the one of the tips Ben should have given us when you asked was uh, have some sort of scripted opening to the podcast because I never know how to start this thing. And I'm recording now, so maybe this is the official way we could start it is by me saying I don't know how we should start this podcast. So, hey, uh, thank you for listening to Friends of the Rant podcast. Uh, joining us today is Ben Brown, and he is uh, does a lot for us, actually. He, uh, he did the theme music to our podcast. He um, plays music with Gordon, and uh, I think he has, um, I think he does a side gig involving crafts with Jonathan, so. <laughs> right. Uh, your, your skill with hands. That's right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, we're going to talk to Ben a lot about uh, the podcast that he does and time traveling, apparently, in, in, the, in the coming minutes. But first, uh, Jonathan Gordon, how are you guys doing? Living. Not alive. Bored. Bored, huh? Yeah. This is my first Saturday in a while where, um, where I haven't done a lot. Part of that has to do with the fact that we were recording this today. A lot of housework lately. Yeah, we're doing a lot of that too. And I know I talked about a getting a haircut a couple of weeks ago, but actually today I got my first true, like, not just a trim. My wife took the shears to me today and we were both sort of surprised by the result. I'm, I don't look like um, Fontaine from Les Mis right now. So I'm, uh, she's, she's found a new career. Pretty smart people. There. Yeah. What? Speak English. <laughs> what yeah no she did a great job but uh, I love it. <laughs> hey we're, we're sitting here um on may 2nd and uh yesterday uh, a brand new edition of the rant was released um what do you boys think of uh what is this edition number 13 14 13 14, 14. 14. april may june july august uh, september october november december january february march april may 14 14 Wow. Wow. We made it. Dang. Yeah. I, uh, unfortunately it's all about coronavirus and, and, uh, the, uh, effect it's had on, on, uh, Lee County, but Hey, our, I guess our main story was about actually going back in time to our first COVID-19 case, which was a young woman named Lacey Mathis. And, uh, she very, very graciously, uh, gave uh, gave Gordon an interview and talked about her experience, and uh, we posted that story yesterday. And uh, uh, twelve thousand clicks later, I think a lot of people not only were really interested in that story uh, based on the comments, a lot of people really appreciated that story because I felt like it gave a bunch of people a good idea of what somebody can go through when they get this virus. And this is coming from a young woman who is uh, a cheerleader, healthy as can be. Uh, peak physic physically and this you know this was a as she called it a very painful experience for her and uh i think it was a bit eye-opening for some people what do you guys think so yeah. all those clicks were organic too um i didn't see it linked on anything like another news station yeah. i think it's like the in two days it is like something like the 10th most read post that we've ever done and everything ahead of it on that list was like really like death and destruction, like terrible crime stories, whatever. And I'm not saying that a story about a person getting coronavirus is positive, but it is positive that she's, you know, coming out the other side of it. Okay. And able to share her experience. So in that sense, I think of it as a positive story. And when I reached out to the Mathis family about whether they would let me do this interview, I was really nervous because that's a, that's a hell of a question to ask of somebody. And, you know, I framed it like, um, you know, if you want to say no, then I'll be fine with that. And if you're mad at me for, for asking, I'll be yeah. fine with that. But do you think that Lacey would be interested in talking I about mean, there, that's that's the journalist in you, Gordon, is uh, you, you learn about something that happens to a friend like that. And hopefully your first instinct is, wow, that's terrible. Is there anything I can do to help? But then the journalist 
in you kicks in and the very second thing you think is yeah wow can i write about this yeah can i tell that story <laughs> but um, can I benefit from this? <clears throat> yeah, can, right. Can we yeah. make any kind of profit off of your misery? <laughs> right. And I'm sure the Mathis family will hear this and <laughs> appreciate that. But no, I mean, I, I have been, I've tried to be as thankful as I can to them for, for um, deciding to share this. Cause um, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, you know, like, is there going to be any uh, stigma that comes with it? Are people going to, people going to look at you different, but like I haven't seen any negative comments. All I've seen is thank you for sharing this. Thank you for sharing this. What yeah. a brave person you are, et cetera, et cetera. And so that, that makes me feel good that there does not seem to have been any negativity toward them that I've detected. Well, I think I can explain the, uh, the huge number of, of views and, and read reads of the article in that there's a definite curiosity element there. Every time we post a story about numbers here, um, we get bombarded with questions about who has it, um, where are they, uh, how did they get it? And so I think a lot of those people that ask that question every time they read that story, um, I think the fact that she was young and we had the words painful in the, in the headline, I think, you know, that was a, a bit of the curiosity and people wanting to read it. But then, you know, also she's, uh, she comes from uh, a family here that, you know, you know, Lisa ran for office and she's pretty well known around here. I think a lot of people know that family. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of a, a blending of certain factors going into why that story was so, was so popular with people and uh, um, still, still getting a lot of hits today. So we're, again, we're, we're grateful. I think a lot of people knew that she had it. Um, I think, you know, the family kept it a pretty well guarded secret, but in a town like Sanford and, and you referenced that they know a lot of people, you know, we're just, word just kind of gets out that's that's unfortunate but I, I i wonder too if that played into their decision to to open up about it since a lot of people already knew yeah so in this edition we also talk about the uh just when our april edition came out we lee county was kind of patting itself on the back for some reason that we only had three cases while our surrounding counties were getting hit hard and then in a month's time we went from three to 160 something so uh we went from from one of the lowest um numbers in terms of uh um positive cases per population to now the sixth highest in the state so it's, there's there's definitely uh a changed mindset i think about about the virus here and i think there's a lot of concern I, i'm we haven't reported on this but i'm seeing reports of of people grading i don't know how, exactly how you can go about handing out these grades but grading states based on their social distance abilities and lee county north carolina got an f and then lee county was one of the worst counties in the state when it comes to um people social distancing and and uh businesses cooperating and things like that so um it's not looked good for our county i think in the past in the past month and then the one thing we could still say was we were the only state with so many cases and no deaths and then yesterday um, or the day before, right? It was yesterday. We had our, our first recorded death related to it. So tough, you know, tough month for us. And I hope uh, this edition doesn't come off as completely negative when it comes to that. I think we did our best to find as much positive as we could coming out of this with what our businesses are doing and how the schools have reacted and things like that. But it's definitely a changed mindset, I think, from the last edition that we had coming out. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the comments that we've gotten about well this is all you're reporting on david yeah <laughs> well we're not uh but that's what i like about the rant is uh is we call <laughs> we we call people out when they challenge us and, and i don't see a lot of newspapers doing that so maybe no. I don't know, maybe it'll bite us in the ass one day but who knows sometimes uh, these are these are weird times yeah. You, know, you know, we're not reporting on this to be negative. We're not reporting on this to further a narrative or get people to do something they wouldn't otherwise do. But I mean, our traffic will tell you that people are interested in the numbers. And yeah, we're reporting the number, but there are other aspects of this that we're trying to keep up with as well. It's just about relaying information. And I mean, if you don't like it, you don't have to read it. <laughs> Well, each of us, each of us actually have a column in this edition. I think it's the first time 
maybe the first time we all three had columns in the same edition. So, and we all, it all deals with our own uh, experiences with this. And um, if you guys don't mind, maybe we can save that till next week. So I know we got a, a big conversation with Ben coming up, which we actually just had. <laughs> so it's weird that I am promoting something that's already happened and talking about it as if it is going to happen. And that, that is the way that our listeners will experience it. Right. They will experience the first, last, and the last first. And I I'm think gonna, I'm, I'm going to guess coming up with some ben, Patrol lyrics. I'm going to guess that Ben's going to talk a lot about his own podcast, and then I don't know. Um, something tells me we might get into a, a lot of time travel talk as well. So because you're a time traveler and you went back in time. To... If I was a time traveler and I used the information I gleaned from the future for this podcast, that would be incredibly sad. I if I was a time traveler, I would <laughs> bet on sports. I would go back like Biff. Yeah, but you'd return to this time, and there's no sports going on. And Ooh, that's the biggest um, take nobody for, like, the World Series. Bet on nobody. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> wow. I mean, the odds of nobody winning the World Series have got to be astronomically low. Yeah, like, it was, I mean, other than a global pandemic, what would it take for nobody to win World the World War. Series? Well, a strike. <laughs> Oh, strike. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, damn it. A meteor. <laughs> there, yeah. You probably have trouble collecting your payout. Well, what else was in the issue um, that you enjoyed, Billy? Ah, uh, I, I, I didn't really like this edition. <laughs> well, I, I liked the um, kidding, several, the several <laughs> pages of quarantine photos. I thought those were, you know, sort of nice little postcards from a community that. Yeah, you know, we uh, asked. We asked that on Facebook a, a few days before we started putting this together and we got 130 entries and I was only able to get maybe 70, 75 of them in. So there's a lot of them that we did not get in, but uh, you know, I think looking back, um, it's like you said, kind of a postcard. You look back at uh, you know, the, the window art that people made or, or the, I remember one of the photos was a family that took their boxes from Amazon and made race cars out of them and uh, people camping out in their yards. We got a lot of those photos, and uh, I didn't use some of these, but I got a lot of, a lot of photos of fat cats for some reason. Um, yeah. I guess yeah. Cats are gaining weight right now for, for reasons unknown. People um, are gaining <laughs> Yeah, when you say cats, do you mean like cool cats? Like Cool cats, yeah. Yeah, hep cats. And yeah, you guys liked when I referenced the COVID-19 last week. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, a lot of people are adopting pets. We adopted a pet during this, and uh, it's gone great, but I think this pet's in for a rude awakening when we all start leaving for things, and, and she realized and that. turning back into the shelter. <laughs> yeah. Ben, you adopted a, a pet in the middle of this, right? Yeah, well, first I want to say it's great to be back. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I adopted a... <laughs> well, you already uh... spoke. <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't spoke yet. Is what I'm, yeah, never mind. Hey, everybody, I'm Ben. <laughs> um yeah i went to the uh the shelter and well you know first off uh, i have a dog named data and uh she's a, a senior dog and uh she actually spent a lot of time at uh at gordy's house with his miscellaneous animals and he had a great <laughs> miscellaneous time animals data yeah, is a sweet sweet girl sweet girl uh she had a lot of fun with your dogs and cats and uh when she got back here to my house it was just me and her and so, you know, I kind of wanted to get her a companion and uh, I went to the Johnston County Animal Shelter and they had about maybe seven or eight cats there. And uh, I kind of went through a few of them and, and asked the staffer there, like, you know, do you know which ones of these are really cool with other dogs? And she brought a dog from the shelter in the, into the cat room. And this cat that I ended up adopting was the only one that was really kind of chill, uh, didn't really react or hiss or anything like that. So uh, got him. His name is Spot. And, uh, yeah, this is, this has been a lot of fun because I've always had a, a past allergy to cats, which actually resulted in me getting a cat a long time ago, giving it to Gordy who, um, Norman, Norman, yeah, Norman. yeah I, I tried to do the cat thing a long time ago and it wasn't flying for me, uh, health wise. And I don't know why the, uh, the change, but, uh, somehow I'm able to tolerate cats now. It's the best cats are fun. They're interesting. And he is, um, for those of you who have not seen Spot, Ben has been sharing a lot of pictures with us, with me, and um, he is a chunk. Yeah. He's got a big yeah, fat he tail. 
Yeah, he's uh, he's kind of a floofy cat without being sort of like a Maine Coon type fluffy. He's, he's like somewhere in between, but uh, yeah. yeah, he's like a stuffed animal. Awesome. Billy, do you have a cat? We have two cats. They are um, the the mother was a, uh, a was a feral cat, and um, we started feeding her. And then she brought three kittens to our doorstep one day, and we started feeding all them. Two of them didn't make it, but the one of them that did make it, we named her Daisy. And we later found out Daisy was a boy, so now he's Mister Daisy. And uh, so we have two formerly feral cats that still spend a lot of time outside, but when it gets cold or rainy or something, they come inside, and that's my, that's that. My daughter wants a cat really bad, but my wife does not want us to have one. So. They don't do well with the dogs. Well, yeah. the new dog, um, they fight with him a lot. But uh, what are you gonna do, huh? Can't send it back um, now. One thing I want to talk about my computer it has nine minutes left it tells me and okay. i don't know if that means till the battery dies or if i have to get a new computer but um but our, our editorial <laughs> that's when your it, warranty ends <laughs> that's right <laughs> um, i want to talk about the editorial that we had in this edition because the lee county board of commissioners passed a resolution after the stay-at-home order was extended to may 8th demanding that the governor end the stay-at-home order on april 30th um, a totally toothless, non-binding resolution that I just couldn't believe it was passed. Um, it was a bipartisan resolution. Two Democrats joined the three Republicans on the board to to adopt this resolution, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so if I can be devil's advocate here, do you think it was supported because it was they thought of it as a way to support business, like we stand behind our business owners, we would or do you think that it was just a miscalculation on their part that it pretty much aligns them with what these reopen North Carolina and reopen every other state protesters are saying right now? I'm sure different commissioners had different reasons for supporting it, but I, it just really looks to me like the person who introduced it, who was commissioner uh, Kirk Smith of, you know, peanut butter and jelly fame and all the other crazy things that have come out of his mouth over the years, but he, he was talking about Nancy Pelosi during this. I mean, why would you talk about that if this was anything other than just a, a, a partisan political thing? I just, it just doesn't make sense. And at best, I think it'll create confusion among people who, well, board commissioner said we could open on April 30th. So I'm, you know, it just, it, it was irresponsible and, and, and poor judgment. And I left the house to pick up some lunch today. And uh, I think a lot of people make this comment in Sanford, but uh, it's it it doesn't look like anything is any different than it was a few months ago. the The traffic is ridiculous. The only difference is restaurants are empty. Other than yeah. that, everything else is full. You know, I've really struggled with this personally. I, I really believe in the stay-at-home orders. I believe in the social distancing. I think it worked and is working. I'm not saying reopen. I'm saying listen to what scientists say and what physicians say, and we should, we should pay attention to that. But um, part of me also thinks that if it doesn't get back to normal sometime soon, um, it may never get back to normal. So I, I don't know. I, like, I would love – I'm just as much as anybody want to see everything come back. I do. I'm really afraid of what could happen if it happens sooner than it should. But then again, part of me just wants to say you're a bunch of idiots. If this is the way you want it, do it. And then <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It, it's, uh, it's tough. I don't think anything will ever go back completely normal. I don't know. I, I, I guess part of me hope is hoping that if we try in small steps, small phases, <laughs> Hey, there's that new dog. Um, that eventually it will, uh, uh, then we can hit some sort of normalcy, but I don't know. I well, yeah, everybody wants to get back to normal. Everybody wants to reopen that. That I mean, that should go without saying. And, and yes, people are hurting and this has affected all of us from a monetary standpoint. So you say everybody wants to, but I, th I really think the mindset of the hashtag reopen NC people are that, are that, people like us don't want it to open. Like we we're right. sitting back and loving every minute of this. And, and the, this is the way we always wanted it. We want, we want socialism and we want, um, you know, we want the government to take control of our lives. 
people think this is what we want. It's How can not. you have a conversation with that? No, it's tough. I don't know. Ask ask me while I'm on the phone with my family in Texas. <laughs> my family who's had four cases in their county, all four have recovered and they're still under stay-at-home orders. Uh, I thought maybe Texas a, reopened. They did. Yeah, they did. I'm, I'm talking about last week when I was talking to them. Uh, um, yeah, they reopened. And uh, you know what? They'll probably be just fine. Who knows? Well, that would be nice. Yeah. You know, it's just nobody wants to... Nobody wants to go through all this for no reason. And if we open back up and this and things spike again, then all of this last month and a half has been well, for nothing. All of these protests are in states with the Democratic governors, though. They, are, they do have a point. We do need to open. And small businesses are hurting. But I think there's a political agenda driving that side. Oh, gosh. Yes. Yeah. Did you no see they had armed people with submachine guns and AR-15s walking down Capitol Boulevard yesterday. Um, you know, what, what is the statement you're making there? I'm going to shoot the virus. Shoot the virus. <laughs> 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 what, what's it like out in Smithfield, Ben? Is it, uh, is it any different than here in Sanford or is there, is, is it all uh, at, at first it, it I was kind of surprised at first. It didn't seem all that different. And uh, lately it really has. Uh, it seems like the business community is doing what it can. Uh, but there's not much traffic on the road. Um, it seems like people are taking it seriously. I mean, that's not universal. Um, and the, the mix of uh, viewpoints that you just discussed are definitely alive and well here too. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's a lot more calm than I had anticipated. Uh, I think people are kind of left in good spirits because the weather's been nice. You know, it's been, this is one of the best springs that I can remember just climate wise. Still people out walking their dogs, doing that kind of thing. There are groups that walk together, but they keep six feet apart. I mean, you see a lot of this stuff. And I think a lot of people are being neighborly and kind of connecting with each other and kind of slowing down in their lives, which is kind of nice. But, but yeah, people seem to be taking it seriously, but I think people are getting antsy too. I mean, I guess I would too, if I was a business owner. Okay, so our guest this week is Mr. Ben Brown, Benjamin Ellison Brown. Uh, of Smith, a bit much, uh, of Smithfield, North Carolina, one of my uh, oldest and best friends, um, who is known for a good many things, but here in Rantland, the one that is probably the most appropriate to start with is, Ben is the composer of our theme music, which is, uh, to, to my mind, absolutely incredible. I asked you, Ben, a couple of years ago if you would compose something, um, something brief and newsy, and you shot back uh, in like a day that uh, it's about two minutes long. You shot it back, and I was just, I was just in in, in love with it right away. Um, and we we thought we could ask you some questions about your process. It's been a couple of years. I'm sure you haven't listened to it once since then. So tell us how you came up with it. Uh, well, I kind of wanted to, uh, you, you know, I'm a big fan of the news and classic TV news kind of growing up in the 1980s and uh, those those sort of dramatic theme songs. I wanted to channel some of that, but also very dramatic. It, it is very dramatic and uh, uh, not quite over the top, but at the edge. I wanted to give it that motivational spirit that you would get from sort of a 1980s, you know, telethon, you know, something to kind of get the phones ringing and kind of get the spirits high. And then something that I guess kind of uh, encapsulated uh, each of your personalities. Uh, you know, so I had these elements like the guitar solo and the, uh, the bongo drums and things like that, that I thought kind of suited you guys pretty well. <laughs> so who in the rant is uh, the guitar solo? Uh, well, I, I, I think you came to mind uh, pretty quickly for the guitar solo. I, I know you and I have composed music together for a number of years, and uh, uh, it, it, it just kind of felt right. You know, we've always kind of gone for a sense of sort of grandeur, but also uh, absurdity, and uh, I thought that suited it pretty well. Yeah, that little guitar lick is uh, pretty absurd and in, ju in the very best way. Um, who is the bongos? Uh, I don't know. Who, who wants to take the bongos? Um, I, bongos. I, okay, yeah, we'll give that to uh, Jeff. Definitely the bongos. <laughs> what inspired um, the gong 
Oh, wait, there's a gong. Uh, no, it's, <laughs> it's the first thing you hear. <laughs> Let me rethink this. Well, the, it, the gong is kind of like something, you know, like like kind of entering a room, you know, with a big splash, and uh, it's just it's just a, a big pronouncement, I guess you could say. So, oh, that's cool. um, yeah, so, that's so, em emblematic of of the rant as a whole. Would you say? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. You guys, uh, you know, you emerged on the scene as a digital presence, and then kind of threw it down as a uh, a print publication, which you know. Uh, I guess these days, the way that media trends go, you know, print is not something that people kind of go toward. Uh, there's kind of the, the digitization of, of media. And uh, I love that you guys just kind of like, you know what, screw it, let's, uh, let, let's go for print. You know, you, you guys are punctuating, I think, the, uh, the Lee County media market. And you can't spell punctuating without punk. That's right. That's, That's right. right. Hard, well, hard uh, there's no K in punctuation. <laughs> Um, ben, why don't you tell us and uh, anyone who may be listening about, well, I should back up and say that Ben is a prolific podcaster himself, and his podcasts reach uh, a much bigger market than ours um, because they're specialized. Why don't you um, tell anybody who might be listening about, you know, the podcast that you do? Yeah, yeah, I do a podcast about 1970s baseball cards, and no, I, I do a podcast about... Um, <laughs> oh, I would listen to that. <laughs> well, I, I should start that now. That's already interest. You, you absolutely should. So why seventies baseball cards? Um, before we <laughs> I, like, I, I, uh, I like the. I didn't get into them until the eighties, but uh, what about the seventies? I like the fonts, the graphic design, the colors. I like the photography. Uh, there's there's something uh, you know just kind of hip looking about them that I relate to. And, and also, it's true. It's totally it is true. <laughs> it is true. Yeah. I think upper but deck no. upper deck ruined the baseball card for everybody because no, for so deck. long you had no for so long you had Fleer, Donruss, Tops. Mm -hmm. That was yeah. it. And then when upper deck got into it, plus they had a different size that didn't really fit into your card slots as well. And then everybody got into the game after upper deck. I think upper deck while they and while they did have the I think they had the Griffey card that was worth a fortune. I think upper deck ultimately ruined it for everybody. You can yeah, wrong here, but I, I agree. Upper saturated deck the market. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna cut that. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> that was my one contribution. <laughs> well, okay. Well, we can we can make a segue out of this to to preserve it. Um, one of uh, I guess my favorite baseball cards back in the day was that of Jim Eisenreich, uh, who played for the Kansas City Royals and uh, the Twins and the Phillies. Uh, he had a grand slam during the World Series. Uh, he has Tourette syndrome, and uh, I got to meet him and uh, when I was a little kid, he was kind of a childhood hero of mine. I have Tourette syndrome. I was diagnosed with it when I was six years old. I'd always kind of lived a closeted life with it and because it's kind of shameful, it's kind of embarrassing or really embarrassing. Uh, society likes to make fun of it a lot. So I just decided to sit on that fact and not really share it with anybody. And a few years ago, I decided to start opening up about it and I already had podcasting in my skill set. So I decided to start a podcast about that to kind of learn more about it, kind of de-isolate myself with it and connect with other people around the world who also have Tourette's syndrome. So it's called Tourette's Podcast, and I've been doing that uh, for five seasons now. That's awesome. That is really awesome. And you started it, I don't know if hobby's the right word, but it's not something you were doing for pay. But I mean, right. you, you've, you're, you're doing this professionally now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's uh, I, I got the Tourette uh, Association of America as the, and they're the, they're kind of the primary authority on Tourette syndrome in the United States. And they do a lot of global work as well. Uh, but they, they sponsor the podcast now. They're the primary sponsor. So they give me some resources to kind of help um, sustain the growth of it. But it's listened to on every populated continent right now. And uh, it's, it's really grown in a surprising way. Is this it? That's it. It's, it's, it's really good. I, you know, I haven't listened to every episode, but um, a lot of times when, you know, when a new one comes out, I'll see it and I'll make an effort to listen. And I don't know anything about Tourette's. I've, I've known you've had it probably since we were teenagers. I remember you telling me a long time mm -hmm. ago, but, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from it. And the, um, the thing that, hold on, there's somebody, let's pause this. And if we run out of time, we'll come back. There's somebody in my driveway trying to get my attention. <laughs> oh no, Gordon's been hurt. <laughs> Oh no! Oh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll keep going live here. Gordon is uh, is going to um, handle some business in his driveway now. But um, to to uh, to stay on that point, 
uh, I'm reading a, a book to my daughter and son. We just finished it. It's, and I don't have the complete name of it. It's something that, like the incredible life of a cactus or something like that. Anyway, one of the main characters in it is a young boy that has Tourette syndrome. And uh, I learned a lot about it just from this, this young adult or actually it's a children's book, but I learned a lot about it. And uh, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about Tourette syndrome. I think a lot of people assume that it solely means somebody that yells cuss words and that's right. not at all what it is. I think that's what gets the most attention, but, uh, but there's much more to it than that. Yeah, that's right. Um, the, that, that's called coprolalia, the, uh, the, the shouting of obscenities or taboo words in inappropriate situations. About 10 to 15% of people with Tourette syndrome have that. Uh, the vast majority of people with Tourette syndrome have a diversity of tics. It's actually the definition of it is the sort of co-occurrence of vocal tics and motor tics. So kind of bodily movements or sounds you make. And it's usually something that starts in childhood. Uh, for me, it was a lot of head jerking, a lot of eye movements. And I made these, uh, these vocal sounds that I still make today. I'm not making them right now, but uh, it's still a daily thing for me. Uh, there's a misconception that it goes away uh, in adulthood. It, it can, but it definitely sticks. And for, I think, even children who have it, just the, the sort of social awkwardness of having it and having to kind of compose your life in a different way because you're so self-conscious makes it kind of a lifelong impact, even if your tics do kind of go away into adulthood. But it's also paired with comorbidities like depression, anxiety, OCD, sleep issues, all kinds of things that aren't typically part of the public conversation with Tourette syndrome, but they're all kind of, I've heard it described by some doctors as the tics are kind of a symptom of something else going on, like depression, like anxiety, mm. OCD, things like that. So, um, and that's stuff I deal with too. But yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions about what it is and social media is helping but it's also kind of hurting as well too because like you were saying the sensational aspects of it the cursing and things like that uh still kind of make it to the forefront so Tret's podcast is a way of i guess kind of telling the rest of the story i uh, listened to an episode that you did it's it may be as much as a year ago but um you interviewed a young a young lady i mean she was probably 10 years old who had the corp corporalalia I'm, I'm not sure mm -hmm. if i'm saying that right you know, and you, you said in the beginning, you know, I'm not, I'm not editing any of this out. And she was, you know, yelling some, not yelling, but she was in the middle of her speech. She would just yell the F word, not yell again. And, you know, for a person that's never, it doesn't know a lot about Tourette's, you know, and, and when that manifests, it's hard, it's hard not to laugh at first, but I listened to the whole episode and I just came away so impressed with that little girl because she came on your podcast and she, was who she was and that you're right that does have to be a, a weird thing to have to deal with but it it totally changed my view of of that whole situation especially since it's you know you and i have talked about this it's such an easy joke to make and it's such an obvious joke that's mm -hmm. really not that funny when you think about it right yeah the, the joke itself i mean it's kind of hard to believe that it's still getting airtime because it's a joke that to me kind of exhausted itself back in the early 1990s at the latest you know right. it's it, it's just that the same comedian or a, a, a an array of comedians tell the same joke again and again it's you know somehow that's still if you think about other disorders out there not a lot of them are kind of in bounds to make fun of uh, but this one is and that's that's kind of weird to me i think a lot of people just kind of don't understand it um but what you're saying about kind of listening to the whole conversation you know you kind of hear her ticking and and shouting and obscenity but also kind of hearing how she has a sense of command yeah you know she, she she was she was kind of owning it and uh had had this sense of yeah just just kind of ownership over her life and and in a way that i didn't when i was that age i was really embarrassed by uh ticks that were way less pronounced than that and right. so see, seeing these kids today who are able to kind of i mean it's really heroic being able to kind of like stand on top of it and say, okay, fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing this outwardly. Uh, what do you got to say about it? Do you want to make fun of me or do you want to have a conversation? And yeah. that's, that's really great. I, that episode and you had an episode where you interviewed a guy. I don't think he gave his name, but he referred to himself as Tourette's cop. Yeah. He was a police officer. I want to say mm -hmm. somewhere in like Minnesota, maybe. 
And um, his was not corporal Ilya, but he was like clearing his throat a lot. Mm-hmm. And the way that both of them kind of lived with their ticks and talked through them and knew what they were saying, the, the ticks, when you listen to it and you're not accustomed to being around people with, with Tourette's, you get a sense of how, like, it's almost just a, a distraction to them. It's like they're, they're ticking, mm-hmm. but it doesn't stop them from saying what they're saying or, or completing their thoughts. It's like, it's almost like they don't even notice it. And I'm sure they do. I'm sure that's yeah. a, a total misjudge, but it's like, you know, I've got this, but I'm working through it. And it, it, it impresses me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. Um, it, it's, I, I think it's always kind of on your mind if you have it, but mm-hmm. You know, and, and it, it's different for different people, but, you know, some people are just completely kind of mortified at themselves. They haven't figured out a way to present themselves in public and they isolate a lot. But then there are people who uh, have figured out a way to kind of cut through it. And it may be a conversation topic, but they're still kind of focused on their job and they don't want to let the Tourette kind of define them and what they're supposed to do with their life. Right. So, yeah, he, he's a police officer and he gets in the zone and it doesn't affect how he does his job. And, you know, in a way it kind of humanizes him. It it shows a sense of vulnerability. And I will say uh, the recent Ed Norton movie, uh, Motherless Brooklyn, where he plays a character who has Tourette. It's one of the best portrayals I've seen in a mainstream sense because he does exactly what you're talking about where like, yeah, it's hard not to notice it. People ask him about it, but he just kind of plows through it. And he's like, oh yeah, it's just this thing I got with my brain. And then he kind of gets back to the conversation that he was trying to have. And, yeah. and then people kind of accept him for the, the job he does or the way he composes himself versus just a guy who has ticks. And right. that, that's a lot of professionals with TS have to have that conversation with themselves too. I, uh, on the last episode of Tourette's podcast, as we speak, uh, I interviewed a rapper uh, named Nomad and, oh, wow. uh, and, and he wrote a song about his experience with Tourette's syndrome but I had to ask him, like, were you kind of worried about being defined as the rapper who has Tourette syndrome? Or do you just want to be a rapper? By the way, I have Tourette syndrome. Here's a song about my experience. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a big battle for him to, I guess, kind of kind of piece that out. He didn't want to be the rapper with Tourette syndrome. Uh, he wanted to be a rapper who has this vulnerability that is something he can talk about, maybe relate to other people. About. That's that's awesome. You've got this not national podcast. You've... Uh... You've got a lot going on for you. I actually just had Ben out uh, at Campbell University um, using his uh, professional photography skills, so there's that too. What I wanted to ask you real quick while we got Gordon on here as well is uh, are you guys still producing that uh, Ort Patrol album that we've heard so much about? Uh, where, where are we on this, and, uh, and uh, when can we hear this thing in full? Or has the or has coronavirus thrown a wrench into that too? <laughs> I don't know. In a way, we're kind of farther than uh, we've been in a long time with it. We uh, we have a, I guess, a, a motivated personnel right now. And uh, right. I don't know, Gordon, you want to say anything about that? Um, well, we've been working on, working on a record for like five years. <laughs> 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 and it keeps changing. But, you know, we have a full band now. We played uh, we played a show in November. And um, I think that the, the composition of the album has evolved. And, you know, as new material has been written, it may not be an album. It may be a series of shorter releases um, or when it is an album, it probably looks different than originally intended. But it's it's kind of a fun thing to think about, like the record. We don't we don't have a record. <laughs> I, I, I guess in a sense, if we do release a whole bunch of uh, short, you know, like two or three song records versus a full length, uh, it'll make us look more prolific. That's right. Yeah. I like, it's, it's kind of like when, um, you know, we've been doing the rant uh, the rant monthly for a little over a year now. Um, and seeing them, seeing the, the, each edition next to one another gives a, gives me this sense of, um, accomplishment. And I feel, I feel the same way about, about music, you know, like if you have several releases, you're a, you're a very legitimate band when in fact we're probably an illegitimate band. <laughs> and you also have a, a I don't know if it's still being produced because I haven't seen much of it or or maybe it comes in um comes and goes but um you have another podcast um at your 
uh-huh. at your day job. Do you want to talk about that? Because that's brought you to Sanford a, a couple of times, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's called Municipal Equation, and uh, it went on hiatus for a bit. We're about to relaunch it with a with a co-host, and uh, we Uh-oh. actually hired. You know, we, we hired some new people at the office to kind of bring this thing back. Uh, well, I want to. Uh, can you can you live with a co-host? Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's uh he's kind of a boonterkind that we've hired, and oh, yeah? he seems to be. He's kind of good at everything, and he's very excited yeah. about this. He's time to announce that I am I am the co-host, and uh, <laughs> that's right. I'd like not, to welcome Billy Liggett. <laughs> um, I would offer but, absolutely nothing to that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh yeah, it's called Municipal Equation, and uh, I do it for the North Carolina League of Municipalities, which is uh, uh, it's it's a it's a membership organization that represents all the cities and towns in the state. So roughly five hundred and forty-six of them. And we just pick these good stories of sort of cool things happening in municipal government that I think kind of kind of checks the pulse of where we are as cities right now, where we are as communities. And it brought me out to Stanford because there was this trend going on. Um, and trend sounds like a bad word. It's not of murals uh, kind of beautifying downtown areas and beautifying old buildings and just kind of giving facades kind of a new look. And uh, Stanford had a mural project going that uh, didn't involve any tax dollars or anything like that. The city helped to facilitate things, but it was really great. And it captured, they hired Scott Nurkin to do a lot of the uh, the mural work and he's a fellow yeah, musician as well. Yeah, like he played in some North Carolina bands back in the day, right? Yeah, uh, uh, notably uh, Birds of Babylon. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, the Dynamite Brothers as well. And uh, yeah, really cool guy, really great artist. And he would go paint these sort of historical scenes on, on uh, walls in downtown Sanford that kind of represented the, the character and the history of Sanford in a really colorful way. I went there and the mayor of Sanford, Chet Mann, took me on a mural tour and we recorded it and put it out as a podcast. And that was one of my favorites. Yeah, that was a cool episode. Um, and we've written, we like to write about the murals when they come up and uh, we just, they just unveiled a new one, right? Billy? Yeah. Uh that they're calling it an interactive one or an Instagram wall, something like that. Uh, Hmm. Anyway, it's butterfly wings, but if you stand at a certain part of it, it looks like you have the wings. Also, if you bend over in front of it, it looks like you're emitting the wings. So that's... (laughs) 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 I haven't tried that yet, yet, but uh, yeah. No, it... it, Hey, I like like the murals here. I think... uh, they add a bit of flavor that downtown was lacking for a while. So what's your favorite? Oh, well, my favorite's not actually downtown. It's that, uh, the tobacco one that has the mule coming oh, yeah. out of the wall. I think that's, that's downtown. Like, technically. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's on Wicker street, but I like that one. I also like the, I also like the flying coffins one. That one's pretty cool too. What about, um, the ones on the side of the building, like at Piggly Wiggly, is that considered the same project it is yeah. because it's uh jones jonesboro not oh, yeah jonesboro downtown ones with the pigs right yeah. yeah my favorite is probably the baseball one but i the one yeah. i want the one i want to see happen is or floyd Patrol. council the blues musician for whom half of pink floyd was named he is not from sanford but he died in sanford and is buried here and oh. i think that would be that would be yeah. cool to see it would be cool. I, I like the uh, the race car driver. There's yeah. the uh, sort of like the Daytona depiction. That one's cool. Yeah. Uh, the Yarbrough's one with the cow. Oh yeah, the flying. Wait, no, the three D cow. <laughs> the flying. The three. The cow is three D. The pigs fly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have officially gone through every mural now. <laughs> well, you so, should. I tell you the one I hate. <laughs> yeah. I really. <laughs> the, the, the mural I hate. <laughs> it's really cool because you know there, there's a good variety downtown. It's not like there's like sparse kind of half-hearted, you know, like two or three in a certain area. It's it's a pretty good collection, and it is enough to to be able to say you know we can offer. I mean, they kind of planned it out like a tour, like kind of like a mural walk. It's kind of neat because like there, there's there's a little bit of writing uh, to accompany the murals and. Uh, just to kind of give it a sense of relevance and let you know why you're looking at it. So I thought it was really a good move on part of Sanford. So, um, Mr. Professional Podcaster, what, um, what, uh, what, what advice can you offer, um, us 
fledgling rant podcasters? Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like what you're doing where you're sitting outside and you got some birds chirping in the background. That's, yeah. like, that's kind of different and kind of charming. Did you hear that, Billy? I'm actually sitting right next to Gordon right now. <laughs> 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 Let's see. <laughs> yeah, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, I guess, uh, if anything, just turn up the theme music louder and uh, just kind of blast it. That's right. When the royalties yeah. start coming in, we can have a discussion about, um, you know, compensation. But for now. Oh, we'll be talking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to, well, I'll have Chaz get in touch with you. Hey, when Ord Patrol's ready for that documentary, let me know. Oh, yeah. That's coming up. Oh, yeah, that, 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 that is. Alien autopsy, whatever it is. <laughs> Just real quickly, I'll, I'll go back to Ord Patrol to properly address that. That is the, the band that Ben and I perform in, along with Kellett Wade and Tom Hudson. And the whole shtick is um, kind of started out as science fiction themed, but... Uh, we've narrowed the focus a little bit and um, we refer to ourselves as a time traveling punk band. And we do have a short EP in the can um, that's never been released. But when, when we prepare to do it, I'm going to issue a press release that says Ork Patrol announces pre-release of iconic 2027 EP. <laughs> you know, I'm going to say they've been, the songs have been pre-mixed and pre-mastered and they sound even better than better and crisper than than they do on the day they'll finally be released um <laughs> see if i can get some 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 traction through through uh through gimmickry i don't know hey. anything like this has been done so that's right and the the cool thing about being a time traveling band is that there it allows for all kinds of temporal anomalies like i can make up the names of albums that don't exist because you know, in this timeline, such and such record did not come out in 2007. That's a good point, because when I just said uh, it's I don't think this is something that's uh, been done yet. Um, I guess in a temporal sense, if we're talking time travel, it already has been done. Right. Yeah. It's mind bending. Do you guys wow. have any questions? Hey, there's a guy on TikTok that like does. Hey, I'm time traveling. I'm in 1983. And then he shows like a sign. Like a Walgreens sign that's behind them. That's all. <laughs> it's really good. Well, John, you and I have talked about the time travel thing a lot. And I was oh. like, John, if you're into the time travel conspiracy, you should look up John Teeter. And you were like, oh, I know Teets. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Man, I, I mean, man. when that thing came out where New Jersey needed the old programmers, I was like, oh, this is John Titor right here. Yeah. And they needed the old computer to fix their unemployment system. See, that's an even better conceit than, so I have, I've written a song called John Teeter and it's about going back in time to steal a song, a famous song before it was written and then getting rich off of it. Um, that's the, like whole, that that's the yesterday. whole plot to yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? Yes. What's yesterday? I just learned a guy about that, that uh, he's playing um, he's playing a Beatles song for his friends and they love it. And they're like, did you write that? And he's like, no. And then he discovers that he lives in a time where there's no Beatles and he knows all the Beatles catalog. So he has a career. What year did this come out? It just that, came out last year. <laughs> Damn it. I just found out the exact same way. I was describing this to one of my friends like a week ago and she was like, that's, that's that movie yesterday. What? <laughs> Damn it. I wrote that song in like 2016. Uh, but that proves or 2014, that, that, depending on the timeline. How about that's this? That's not important. The so time travel, you're always thinking ahead. Why don't you write a, a 50s song now and go back to the 50s and introduce it? Yeah. Well, that's that's what of, I, that, that that's was. Back to the future. Never mind. No, that's, yeah. That, well, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, it's your cousin Marvin, Marvin yeah. Barry. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, like, the power goes out all over the world. And when it comes back on, no one remembers the Beatles. The movie is okay. I mean, it's pretty good. Whatever. I haven't seen it yet. But Who, who's in it? But the ending is. A bunch like of guys stupid. you don't know. No, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I just, I, like, I'm furious right now well I, I, gordy i i think someone must have done a little bit of time traveling to one of our discussions about this and ripped it off and made this movie called yesterday i mean th that just kind of proves the so, point that if you talk about it it's kind of already happened. i think we've all had this idea because i had the idea for a book 
about a guy who was tr highly trained to go back and stop the assassination of JFK, but he was also a professional drummer. And when they brought him back to time, he actually assassinates Ringo Starr and becomes the drummer of the Beatles. <laughs> or maybe assassinates Pete Best. I don't know. So, and so that was my idea. And then the FBI or whoever did the time traveling sends someone back to kill him because he screwed up the whole That's Terminator. thing. <laughs> yeah. Terminate T Pete Best. <laughs> <laughs> the T one thousand goes to Liverpool. <laughs> I had a great idea years ago for a sequel to Terminator, but you have to fix the first um you have to fix the the ending of the first movie where Arnold is successful in killing Sarah Connor, but with his job complete and there's like twenty more years to the um to the apocalypse from Skynet, like what does he do? And so my thought was like, <laughs> to like Barbados and parties or, you know, and, <laughs> and it's just a movie about that. Cause I mean, you know, he's a pretty ripped dude. Like he could probably, you know, he could probably do really well for himself in a, in a, like a resort town. Well, gentlemen, zoom is telling me they're about to end our, our discussion for us. So, um, Gordon, you want to thank your friend and, and, before we get kicked off of here. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. This, this ben is Brown, a big waste of time, guys. Listen to uh, <laughs> Tourette's, Tourette's podcast. You can find it where you find most podcasts, such as ours. So thank you, Ben. Thanks for joining us. Gentlemen, it looks like Gordon has died. He is uh, he's left the conversation. So, um, so what I'm going to do here is uh, wrap this up. Uh, ben, um, I'm going to thank you for being our guest before you are our guest. So, thank you for uh, thank you for joining us today. Um, it's been a pleasure, and good luck with your with your many podcasts and uh, and everything else you've got going on right now. Um, and, yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and I look forward to talking with you.